So I want to introduce um, both of them. First of all, I'd like to introduce uh, Judith Spring. Um, Judith Spring is an executive and leadership coach. She's also a course presenter at Kingston College, a bespoke coaching college based in Ireland. She's over 30 years senior leadership experience in manufacturing, supply chain and operations and understands the challenges of developing and motivating teams. During her career, Judith has been a coach and mentor, particularly helping emerging women leaders to be more confident and more impactful. A vision to see more women have the choice to progress their careers has been the driver for her becoming a full-time coach. One of her focus areas is mentoring and coaching women to step up and become more confident and impactful leaders for their own benefit and for the benefit of the organizations they work in. Her passion is to impart to others the power of coaching. So well, welcome Judith, it's so, so lovely to have you on here this morning. Thanks, um, Dr. Chandrika Deshpande is an executive coach with a background in learning and development, specializing in talent management and organizational development. She's a PhD from the University of Mumbai and holds qualifications in the fields of HR, mass media, behavioral training and psychometric testing. She is an advanced diploma in personal executive and leadership coaching accredited by the European Mentoring and Coaching Council. For over 23 years, she's been part of the HR and L&D teams of leading corporates and multinational companies across varied sectors like academia, travel, engineering, realty, knowledge process outsourcing. She's developed, designed and facilitated various training programs which have helped create sustainable cultures aligned to the business strategies of organizations. She's now actively engaged in coaching and research in the area of corporate well-being. She believes in using the strengths-based approach to coaching and how to use positive psychology to enable leaders to cope with the new ways of working in the pandemic, post-pandemic scenarios at a global level to optimize performance for themselves and their teams. And if you've just joined us, I just want to again welcome Judith Spring, Dr. Chandrika Deshpande, to talk to us today about a happy and fulfilled life, what we can learn from the world of positive psychology. You're very welcome this morning, girls. I'm going to make you um, host Judith now, and if you could just admit people as they come in. Uh, I'll keep an eye on them and I'll, I'll, I'll let them in. So good morning, everybody. And uh, today is actually International Happiness Day. So some of you may have seen that maybe on LinkedIn. I've seen one organization that gave their staff a day off today, which I thought was, I used to work for them. And I sure as hell wasn't getting no days off for International Happiness Day. So aren't things changing and for the better? So what Ed Chandrika and I are going to share with you today is we're going to look at what the world of positive psychology uh, can tell us about living a happy and fulfilled life uh, and there's a lot to learn from that so I'll share my screen so a happy and fulfilled life what we can learn from the world of positive psychology So an outline of what we're going to do, do on this International Day of Happiness. I'm, I'm going to share with you a perspective on our, on our mental health, something to look at that is an interesting way of looking at a perspective on mental health. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, the change curve. Um, then Chandrika is going to go deeper into what positive psychology teaches us about living a happy and fulfilled life. And then she's going to link the elements of positive psychology to today's world mm -hmm. and the challenges we're facing. Um, and then we're going to look at some tips for building resilience. And what we'll do is we'll share the presentation, though more than happy if you've got questions, pop them in the chat box. Um, but we're certainly going to leave time at the end for some Q&A and discussion, which we would really welcome. And hopefully you'll find uh, what we're sharing with you not just interesting, but hopefully also very appropriate to your roles and to the lives you're living at the moment. So I'm going to share this uh, slide with you to start with, and it's a perspective that uh, I've actually stolen it from Mental Health Ireland, who, who have also taken it from another source. Uh, and what it looks at is that um, many people are living with or recovering from mental illness, and they may have high level of mental illness, they may have low levels of mental illness. And psychology has traditionally focused on supporting people um, who are suffering from mental illness to either be able to live with it or to recover from it. However, 
there's another axis that we can think about, and that is our mental health. So when you think about mental health, you can think about the fact that people can be flourishing or people can be languishing, irregardless of whether or not they have any level of mental illness. So you can be living with no level of mental illness, um, but have poor mental health. On the other hand, people can live with high level of mental illness and still be flourishing. So you could think of an example of somebody maybe who has uh, been diagnosed with a bipolar condition, but is managing it well and is, has a great career and is getting on with life. On the other hand, um, and, 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 and that would describe somebody who would be sitting up in this quadrant. On the other hand, you could think of somebody who, for example, um, maybe was very into their sport and suffered a sport injury and are now finding themselves languishing because they, they are not, um, sorry, I didn't need to let they now find themselves languishing because you know they're they they they're not as fit as they used to be, and maybe they're struggling, uh, and and in languishing is that sense of emptiness and stagnation. So this is a good way of looking at that balance that we all have, and that, and and recognizing that um, our mental health our ability to flourish is within our control. We can be very unlucky and we can um, find ourselves diagnosed with, with a mental illness through any number of situations. If we allow ourselves to languish uh, for too long, the chances are that will also lead to some level of mental illness. So how do we find ourselves and give ourselves the best opportunity to flourish? So it was on that axis of looking at uh, the, the idea of flourishing that a psychologist called Martin Seligman became fascinated and focused on. And what really fascinated him was what does make a, our lives worth living? What is it that we should be thinking about in our lives in order for our lives to flourish? He did extensive research in this area and this led to a new a new branch of psychology, which he called positive psychology. Not to be confused with either pop psychology or the power of positive thinking. That is not what positive psychology is. Positive psychology is a renowned and scientific branch of psychology that focuses on what it is that makes us have a happy and fulfilled life. Uh, and as Martin Seligman would say, it's not that recognize that treating mental illness is not the same as promoting mental health. And I think this chart sort of helps us to sort of see that perspective. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at some of the findings and the, the, the key elements of the world of positive psychology that allows us to lead a more flourishing life. So, um, I'm going to now share with you um, the, the, the change curve and what the change curve helps us to understand is when change happens in our lives, the level of energy we have for the change and the degree to which we are prepared to integrate change into our lives. So I'm going to share with you typically what happens to people when they, when, when they find themselves dealing with change and how they go about and, and work that into their lives. So when, often when, when significant change happens in people's lives, there can be a sense of shock. Oh no, what's happening now? What, what, what's happening now? That can actually be followed by a sense of denial. No, it's not happening. No, no, there are no redundancies happening in my organization. No, no, it's not happening. And actually our, our sense of energy will increase at that point because we go into a sense of denial. However, we then can, when we start to see that this, this change is definitely starting to happen, we can become angry about it. Uh, why is it happening? Why does this have to happen to me? Why is it happening to me again? So we, we, we get into a sense of anger and then we can fall into a sense of depression, of feeling um, disinterested and not wanting to deal with the change and 
typically, for example, in the workplace, this is when you might see levels of absenteeism, people don't want to be there, but time moves on and people then start to recognize, okay, maybe, maybe the change is happening. Let me experiment a little bit with it. Let me see what that new situation is going to start to look like. Then they decide, okay, I'm prepared to integrate this change into my life. And finally, integration comes and they have moved forward and their level of energy has increased again. Now, what's important for us to recognize on this change curve is that unfortunately it's not linear. It's not that we necessarily go through it in a nice linear fashion like this. People can get to the point of experiment and then move back to depression. They can even get to the point of decision and move back to anger. So we don't all go through it the same way. Some people will spend a long time being angry and maybe being depressed before they finally start to move on. Other people fly through this stage and move into experimenting and decision very quickly. So just recognizing that we may not recognize that we've ever been there because we may have shot through it really fast. But on the other hand, recognize that other people may not and therefore maybe being more aware where we see other people in our lives and how they're dealing with change. So that's a perspective for us to think about, that as we're dealing with change, being conscious that we don't all deal with it the same way and that we don't um, all necessarily do it in a linear fashion. So I'm going to hand over to Chandrika now, and she's going to now go into a little bit of detail about that idea of flourishing. What is it that allows us to um, and, and some techniques that allows us to flourish in the uh, in the so to go on mute. Um, that's okay. Um, um, Andre, I see if you wouldn't mind muting. I think there's a um, Chandrika. You have you have total control now. You can mute everybody. All right. So. Good morning, ladies. Really a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much, Judith, for that introduction. So to just dive straight in and keep the momentum going with what Judith said, let me share my screen and speak about um, the PERMA model, which, um, okay. So if all of you can see my screen there now and speaking about the PERMA model. So uh, the PERMA model is again, something that Martin Seligman, whom Judith spoke about earlier, uh, introduced to the world and spoke about how you know, happy people can lead more flourishing lives and that positive psychology doesn't have to be a disease-focused model. You know, it can also be about people who are happy, wanting to be happier, you know, uh, people who are at a good place in life. How can we lead thriving lives and flourishing lives, right? So what I'm quickly going to do is take you through the PERMA model because it just allows us to access where we are in terms of our levels of happiness, which I think is so important at present. And once I've done this, we will take a quick stop and each one of us can actually work on the model for some time and see where we are in terms of our levels of happiness, because Judith and I thought it would be a great one to do, especially today. Okay, just take a quick stance of where am I in terms of my level of happiness? So we do a quick interactive session on that. So what is the recipe for a happy and fulfilled life? So positive psychology offers us an insight into, so the P of the PERMA stands for positive emotions. So tapping into and recognizing our positive emotions. So when we say positive emotions, um, this could be any of the emotions of joy, happiness, uh, excitement, contentment that we experience in our day-to-day -day living. And this could be anything. This could be a cup of tea that your partner makes for you early in the morning and it's sitting over there. It could be a card that your kid makes for you and pops on your table. It could be happiness that you experience doing any, like the smallest thing that brings a smile to your face and makes you feel good. And of course, as I said, there's a range of positive emotions. How do we experience these is so different to different people. But the P of the PERMA then stands for positive emotions. We then go into engagement, which is what the E stands for, and understanding that we are in flow. Now, this simply means that all of us as individuals have a need to feel fulfillment and to enjoy you know, different, different activities. So how engaged are we? Do we have activities in our life 
that gives us a sense of engagement. So this could be your hobbies. Uh, this could be uh, you know other activities that you do. This could be listening to music. This could be uh, reading a book. Now, other than um, other than Martin Seligman, we also hear referred to uh, a person who's worked a lot on this concept of engagement and more the concept of flow, and that's someone called uh, Chixen Miali. So Chixen Miali spoke about the concept of flow, where he said flow is when you actually lose sense of time and space, you know, an activity where you actually lose sense of who you are and what you're doing and time just seems to flow past. So do we have activities in our life that allow us that sense of engagement? Okay, so that's, the, that's what the E there stands for. Um, you know, something like when you're reading a good book and you actually lose sense of time. Um, Judith and I were actually talking the other day and we said, well, you know, you could lose a sense of time when you're watching an interesting movie on Netflix, but then again, to just stop and think, how often are we doing that, right? So what are the activities that are actually giving us that sense of engagement? We then move to the next quadrant of R, which is relationships. So we enhance our well-being when we build strong relationships. Um, when you have strong relationships, it leads to a sense of um, attachment, support. We feel valued, we feel loved, and there's a lot of balance that comes to our life because of relationships. Now, um, having said that, there's a very interesting uh, Harvard study, um, which definitely, you know, those of you who are interested, I would recommend that you Google it and, and look it up. It's a Harvard study which has been going on for 80 odd years. It's the longest study on, on happiness and well-being that, uh, you know, has, has been going on. And um, one of the key findings of that study is the sense of community or how embracing community and having a strong set of social relationships that work well. And of course, they warn you against toxic relationships, okay? So it's not necessary to stay in a relationship for the sake of being in a relationship because a toxic relationship could be more detrimental than you know, being, not being in one. So being mindful of the relationships that we have in our lives but at the same time, that relationships are definitely a strong key element to our well-being. Right. Okay. Yeah. The next thing there then is meaning, the power of dedicating time to something greater than ourselves. And a lot of people have spoken about meaning and purpose mm. in life. Okay. And I think okay. in the current situation, more than ever, trying to understand what it is that gives our lives meaning and purpose. Okay, sorry, I've just muted some of the participants there because I could hear some background noise. Sorry about that. Um, so a sense of meaning and purpose which comes to us from maybe doing something that's beyond the scope of what we do day to day in our lives. You know, it could be some community work that we do. What is it? What is it that gives us that greater sense of meaning and purpose, right? What do I do? Because uh, people like, you know, Aristotle have also said this, that our lives need to be measured by, you know, what, what makes us happy, right? So meaningfulness leads to happiness, right? So having a sense of purpose and meaningfulness in your life definitely leads to happiness. So how do you do that? What brings that sense of meaning and purpose for you? And then we have that sense of achievement or accomplishment. We all need to look back with a sense of accomplishment because what that does is give us a sense of feeling that we can make things happen. Okay, so when you can relate back and look on your past achievements, just that sense, just that feeling of we can make things happen, right? So those are the five levels as such on which you can um, measure happiness, right? And um, as I was saying earlier, you know, if I, if I go back to the uh, Harvard study where, you know, a, a lot of positive psychology, a lot of research shows that there could be genetic conditions as well. But uh, for happiness, um, you know, um, in, in the Harvard study, there's a director who actually said that, you know, good genes are nice, you know, it's, it's good to have those genetic uh, traits in you but joy is better. So how can you bring simple joy into your day-to-day -day activities, right? How can you bring that sense of happiness and joy into uh, what you're doing? Um, off late, um, so, so Judith and I are both executive um, coaches 
and leadership coaches, which means we've been working in the past year with a lot of um, leaders. Um, Judith especially works in the space of uh, women's leadership. So she could probably bring in some examples at some point of time of how the past year has been and how people have coped uh, with this. Uh, so what I did was I actually tried to map the PERMA model too. And yeah, because COVID was the word that was predominant in everyone's minds, right? So can we use the PERMA model to help us tackle uh, what's happening to all of us in the COVID situation? So it's a very complex world out there. We are navigating changes almost every single day of our lives. And there's so many levels to it, right? So it's very, very complex for all of us. It's meant reinventing ourselves uh, reinventing relationships, reinventing the power dynamics. Um, you know, you're spending more time at home than ever before. Uh, on the work front, virtual teams, virtual way of living. So again, a um, lot of things have happened for us over there. It's it's very very obfuscating, and and what I mean by that word there is, uh, it, it's made everything very obscure. Things are very unclear, right? There's no clarity, and as human beings, we all need certainty. And, and definitely that level of certainty has been chucked out of the window. So, you know, how do we, how do we cope with that? It's a very volatile world. Things are um, erupting around us all the time. Again, very, very change, a lot of change happening indefinite. We don't know when this is going to end. And I think just as y'all were all uh, coming in, um, Jessica was, you know, telling us about um, how, right, things have changed, uh, how there was another announcement yesterday, and we were just speaking about the impact of that on all of us. And the last bit there is the distancing. So when the very word distancing, and, um, you know, in, in our college, we've been having these discussions that instead of using the word social distancing, we should probably replace that and start calling it physical distancing, right? Because I think the very term social distancing has led to all of us feeling that sense of uh, distance, being away from each other, and that's not a great place to be in. So can the PERMA model be used to help us overcome or achieve a sense of balance around the COVID world, okay? And that's what we were trying to do when we said, okay, you know, you're, you're feeling all these emotions, but let's say at the same time, we are then, sorry, just admitting people into the room there. Okay, so at the same time, how are we achieving that sense of balance, right? So by having positive emotions in our life, by having some activities that give us that sense of engagement, by having meaningful relationships, by finding a sense of meaning and purpose that's possibly greater than, you know, the smaller tasks that we, you know, have from our day to day, and looking back on our accomplishments, you know, things that we have achieved, what have we achieved so far that we can take forward? What are the positives from there that we can take forward? So that's the sense of then trying to see how we can combat where we are today with a sense of well-being, which the PERMA model speaks about, right? Mm -hmm. Having said that, what we would like you to do at this point of time is, so I'm just going to introduce the wheel to you. Um, I'm not sure about all your backgrounds. You may have done the wheel of life before, uh, which is again, a very simple tool to understand where you are in terms of balance of life. So I'll just explain how a wheel works um, in the interest of those who might not have done this exercise before. Okay, so the P, E, R, M, and A, and I will put that over there, stand for the five elements of well-being in your lives. So if you have like a piece of paper handy and a pen, right? That's all you actually need to do this tool for yourselves and sort of explore where you are at this point of time. And if you want to just scribble things down for yourselves. Um, so what you normally do in a wheel is the center of the wheel is a zero, okay? And the last point on that circle is a 10, right? So if I start from here, that's the zero and outward over there is the 10. So zero is if you're least satisfied, right? Or, you know, you feel that, um, you know, this is something that's not working for me at all, then that's the zero. And the 10 is your absolute highest level of satisfaction. Okay, so that's the outward link over there. So what we are going to invite you to do, and we'll give you a couple of minutes to sort of do this. So what do positive emotions mean or look like to you? So where would you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 
in terms of positive emotions. How often in a day are you experiencing happiness, contentment, joy, pleasure of any kind, right? So give yourself a score on one to 10 then on the P. When you come to the E and you're looking at engagement, again, what does that look like to you? Do you have activities in your life at present that give you that sense of engagement? On a scale of zero to 10, give yourselves a number. Relationships, how do you see balanced relationships? Where do you think you are? And when we see relationships, please look at it in its entirety, right? So your family, your friends, your work colleagues, absolutely everyone who makes up your um, ecosystem of relationships. So look at everyone and where would you see yourself today? Zero to 10. When do you know you have that sense of meaning in your life, right? And again, meaning and purpose, scale of one to 10, put a number down for yourselves. What makes you feel accomplished? How often do you feel accomplished? When you look back, when you're reflecting, how do you look on your accomplishments, right? Where would you put yourselves on a scale of one to 10? Okay, so rate yourselves, put yourselves, uh, you know, give yourselves that scale of one to 10. And the next thing that we need to then look at is, let's say you have scored yourself a five in terms of positive emotions. The question to ask yourselves there is, what could I do more of that I'm doing well now to increase that from a four to a five or a six, okay? Or a scale of eight or nine or 10. In terms of um, relationships, where am I today? And how could I move myself from here to being, or you know, taking it to the next level, right? So those would be some of the questions that you could actually ask yourself. So I'm just gonna stop talking there for two minutes and I love you to put numbers on that wheel, which I know is not a very easy task to do, but we'll just give you a couple of minutes there. It's not very often that I think we create a space for ourselves to think about, um, you know, these, uh, these things which are so important to us in our day-to-day uh, -day living that it's so essential to make time to actually think about this. And there's a very simple um, question that we often ask in coaching, which I think is so essential, um, especially in COVID times when we are, as I said, you know, reinventing that purpose or that sense of balance is, when you're saying yes to something, what are you saying no to? You know, so when you're making time for something in your lives for a particular activity, what do you have to push away? So what are you saying no to when you're saying yes to something? And inversely, when you're saying no to something in your lives, what are you actually saying yes to, right? That's a very important question. Like those two questions are so important when you're looking at any of these um, elements, right? I'm going to stop sharing my screen now. And Judith, I will make you the host again if I find your name on this list. All right. So um, I'm just wondering if this is a good point of time for us to take a small halt if anyone has questions or do you want us to keep going? Um, finish the entire thing and come back. Whatever suits, whatever suits all of you. If there are any burning questions right now, we would be happy to take them. Or um, I will hand it back to Judith so she can speak about the next thing, and then we could do a Q and A at the end. I have one question, Chandrika, uh, if you don't mind. Um, so when you talk about the 
doing the, the scale and you talk about achievement, you know, we all need to look back with a sense of accomplishment. What kind of time frame are you talking about? Like in the last week or month or year? Or, do you know what I mean? Because I yeah. probably score it differently depending on the time frame I think of. Sure, sure. So what, what, what I normally tell people is even if you can remember a day in your school when you held up something or a teacher told you, well done, go for it. You know, go for it if, if that's something that makes you feel really good. Right. Because I think all of us have have memories that, you know, help us or, or that boost us, you know, when you're doing something like for me, I think even when I am presenting something, I sometimes think about something that happened in school, you know, that I would have done well. And if that gives me a sense of feeling good, that's brilliant, right? So I don't really put a time scale on that sense of achievement. I think you can go into the deeper recesses of your mind to, you know, pull out things. Because I think the belief here is that all of us definitely have achievements, okay? And over the years, what happens is we sometimes just lose sight of what we have done well. You know, what have we done well so far in our lives? And again, that definition of achievement itself is, is different for different people, isn't it, Anne? Like, what is achievement, right? So, so I think as, as coaches, um, and Judith can add here, my first question to you, Anne, would have been, what is an achievement to you, right? Or what does achievement mean to you? And I can assure you that your reply to that question could be very different from if Jessica is answering that question, to if, you know, Kiara or Trisha or anyone else is answering that question, right? So it's your own sense. My personal, yeah. Okay, no, that's helpful. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Anne. Thanks. Judith, would you want to add anything there? No, no, I thought that was, yeah, absolutely. What does it mean to you? And, and, I, and I liked what Chandrika said, that sometimes we lose sight of them. Uh, we, we, we can forget about the things we can look back on and say, you know, I did that and I did it well, um, and, and be, be conscious of it. Now, and it, you may also, though, reflect back on a year and go, I, I, I'm losing a little bit of that sense of it. So then, you know, what might you want to do differently in your life that will build that sense of accomplishment for you? Because this is about what do we want to build into our lives to make sure that we do have that sense of flourishing in our lives. So maybe we can do more with some of the things we're doing. That sense of engagement, for example, that's such an important thing to reflect on. That sense of when you feel energy from something that you're doing, that sense of I've lost all sense of time when I just did that. Um, but it's when I used my skills to, 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 to work on a challenge. Uh, it's like Chandrika said, it's not sitting and watching Netflix. That isn't it because that's what we call passive leisure. And that gives you no sense of engagement. In fact, at the end of passive leisure, you actually tend to have a sense of slight despair. What you want to do is find times in your day when you are genuinely finding yourself with a sense of engagement, hopefully in your work. Guys, if you're not finding it in your work, come and talk to a coach, okay? Because we need to get you back on the straight and narrow here because engagement in your work is so important. You are spending a lot of hours in your day. What is it you do during the day that genuinely gives you a sense of joy, that makes you feel as though, wow, that was me at my best. If it's not at work, are there hobbies you have at? Soften be your hobbies outside of work. When you did your workout with Jessica early, did you not feel a sense of, wow, yeah, that's me and I felt engaged? Mind you, you might have felt the time was like it was, was never going to end. But nonetheless, you still felt a sense of engagement in that space. So looking for engagement in your lives. So what this model is about is about finding how do I find more of this in my life? What do I need to find more to find myself engaged? How do I do more random acts of kindness that give me a sense of meaning? The small things you do for someone else in your day, that random act of kindness that gives you a joy in your life far more than the just the happy feeling you get from you know something that made you sort of temporarily happy it's a much deeper sense of happiness and joy so it's thinking about those things yeah judith you know when you were just speaking about the random acts of kindness over there or gratitude right i'm sure everyone's heard about the gratitude journal because everyone's been talking about it right put three things down that went well for you today and that makes you feel good Uh, There was an added element that someone spoke about recently, which was, you know, don't just write down what worked well for you, right? Or what went well for you on the day. Also think about why that went well, right? 
So if something happened and something happened, why did that happen the way it happened? And therefore, as Judith was saying, how can we do more of that, right? So not just writing down what you're grateful for, but also thinking of how that manifested itself, right? How did that happen? So when you're counting your blessings and you're saying, yes, I'm very grateful for all of those things, also thinking of, of that, because then that gives you a sense of, you know, how you could do more of something to, to sort of, you know, help you uh, be where you really want to be. So physical activity, meditation, I think all those things, and Judith, of course, is going to speak about, um, you know, resilience in, in, in a while. But I think it's all about boosting your immunity. And as all of us know, I think, um, you know, with, with all the added stress that's been happening now, you want to ensure that it's your adrenaline that's high and it's your cortisol that's low to ensure that you have better immunity levels to cope with everything that's happening. And it's when you're in that sense of flow and there's energy, that's when, you know, you have your adrenaline coming in, leading to immunity, right? So that boosts your immunity levels, uh, which is why I think we are such huge fans of um, this particular model. How can you do more of it to, uh, you know, ensure that things are working well for you at present? Uh, Judith, so I'm going to hand it back to you for the resilience. Cool. So I'm going to share with you a, uh, some, some ideas that fit into this in exactly the same space of positive psychology, but that look at how we build our resilience. And, uh, and when we talk about resilience, uh, it, it is that sense of being able to overcome difficult situations and possibly learn from them. Some people say it's about bouncing back, but I always say, no, you don't necessarily want to go back to where you were. Resilience is more about bouncing forward. You know, how can I find myself being able to deal with difficult situations uh, and coming through them in a way um, that I learned from them and even maybe become stronger. So we have a... Um, uh, a recipe, a recipe for resilience uh, is one way of looking at it. And the important thing to understand is that we can build our resilience. Um, and we start off by thinking about reflecting on your values. Your values, an important thing. What you value in your life is what genuinely gives you joy. So try to find out what is that? What are the things that genuinely give you joy in your life? They're not, by the way, morals. Don't worry, it's not about living a very moral life. It's about living a life that gives you joy. So reflect back on times when you have felt a real sense of joy. What was happening for you then? Because most likely the reason you picked those moments was because something was happening that you truly valued. If it was time with your family, if it was doing things that you felt you had a sense of independence, a sense of autonomy, a sense of service to others, what was it? They're your values. So dig into those and find out what they are. Recognize that we all have setbacks, no matter how resilient you are, and you can build all the resilience you like. We will all have setbacks from time to time. Something comes along, least expected, and it will knock us for a six. Just recognize that. Don't take it as permanent. We will all have a setback. But stay connected. We don't develop resilience on our own. It's really important. Resilience is not something that just comes from within. Resilience is part of us being part of a tribe. That idea of staying connected. Now, for all the introverts in the room, you've been living your dream for a year, but we have to get back out there and talk to people. So recognize that we need to stay connected. When people offer you help, accept it. Invest in yourself. Look for times when you can give yourself some time, you know, particularly around that sense of engagement and flow. What might it be that you can do for yourself that gives you a sense of flow? Learn healthy habits. It goes without saying. It goes without saying, you know, bit of exercise, eat reasonably well. Funnily enough, that's going to help you be resilient. Identify your strengths. What are you naturally good at? What are your natural talents? Because it, you know there's an old expression, play to your strengths. It's more than that. When you are doing the things that you are naturally good at, it gives you a sense of joy. And it also gives you a sense of flow. So find out what your natural strengths are. Do a strength survey. Um, ask other people. Say to other people, what do you think my natural strengths are? Identify them and use them more. Find any opportunity you can to use your strengths. Engage with kindness. 
funny, isn't it? So simple. Those random act of kindness that give you a, build a sense of resilience for you. Nurture your friendships. And like Chandrika said, watch out. It's to be supporting friendships. Anybody who tells me I have a toxic friendship, I think I challenge that. I don't think it's a friendship if it's toxic. So it's nurture your friendships. Compassion heals. Compassion for yourself, particularly. Uh, and this idea of expressing gratitude. So when we talk about this idea of a positive emotion, a positive emotion is a positive feeling. It's that, and unfortunately, we've got more negative feelings than positive feelings. So we need to dig deep to find our positive feelings. And gratitude is one way of doing it. When you stop at the end of the day and reflect back on your day, you can reflect back on all the shit things that happened during your day. And that's going to make you feel very low. On the other hand, if you think back on all the great things that happened today, they are the things that will give you a sense of positivity. So expressing gratitude is what helps you build resilience. So there's some tips there, maybe some ideas that, that can help you uh, think about what are the things that allow you to build resilience into your life. And even if you took a little bit out of each of those and recognizing that now, of course, some of them are challenging because particularly around friendships and staying connected, you know, our sense of isolation is challenging at the moment. But again, at the end of every day, what one or two things did work well for you today, uh, reflect on those because that's what will bring that sense of positive emotion to you. You know yourself that you can reflect back on something negative and it will make you feel the sa exactly the same way as you felt when the thing was happening. So if, for example, you were in a really awful meeting yesterday and you got really worked up and angry. If you reflect on that right now, you will bring back the same sense of anger that you had then. We can evoke the emotions as soon as we start thinking about events. So the question is, why would you think about the negative ones? Think about positive ones because they will invoke positive feelings for you. If you think back on yesterday and some of the more positive things that happened, it invokes more positive emotions. So recognize that we can do that. These are all within our control to do. So like I said at the beginning, that idea of languishing or flourishing, we have within our control our ability to flourish. All of these things are things we can do for ourselves. We don't need other people to help us do these things. They are things that we can do. So this is a this is a time for yourself and to really think about you because the more you can flourish, the more you can help other people flourish as well. There's an expression that some people feel that in order to be, I will, when I am successful, I will become happy. But actually, it's the other way around. When we are happy, we will become successful. When we find that deep happiness within ourselves, we will become successful. We will work better. We will be able to deal with life better when we have found a sense of happiness for ourselves. So it's not some sort of, you know, la la land we're talking about here. This is actually a very important thing for our health and particularly for our mental health, that we do tune in to what it is that gives us a sense of happiness and fulfillment. So I'll hand over to Chandrika, just one last slide that she's going to share with you. Actually, Chandrika, I'll put the slide up maybe and you can just talk to it as well. Yeah, I was just going to say that, Judith. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, we thought of this slide um, only because, um, you know, we knew that we were speaking to a group of uh, women who are highly focused on their fitness and their activities. So now having, you know, sort of told you how the wheel works, right? We thought this was a great one to sort of leave you with as, as a group or as a team. And, you know, you could do this. Um, Jessica, I'm sure you use a lot of tools, but we were thinking in the present situation for women to just again reflect on where they are in terms of their well-being, right? So the six elements which we thought make up our physical well-being, which then translates into our mental you know, um, health and well-being, because it's so easy sometimes to lose focus of that, right? And one so easily sort of builds into the other. So again, if you're looking at it, fuel, right? Food, what's our, what's our intake right now? What's our fuel? What are we putting into our bodies? Be very mindful of that. So again, think of that movement, sleep, hydrate, recharge, and then what space are you creating for your mind to create all those positive thoughts? You know, what's happening for you in your mind right now? So it's a very, very simple wheel, but we were just thinking, you know, 
recharged, which has become so essential. So it all started off with us thinking we have plenty of time for other things when we started working from home, but we are now at our desks. We start at 8.30 and there's no end time to when we really finish, right? So are you taking those recharge breaks? What are you doing to recharge? Is it the weekend? In the day, what are you doing for yourself? So just to ponder and think about these six elements because they are so very essential, right? Hydrating your sleep. What's the quality of your sleep? So it's not just the sleep, but what's the quality of uh, you know your your sleep? And to what Judith was saying there about the gratitude thing, also read recently that you know when you do that gratitude thing at the end of the day before you go to sleep, if you sleep with positive emotions the quality of your sleep is so much better than if you go to sleep stressing about the next day, right? So it's just about that. But again, this is a wheel for each one of you to sort of look at it. Where am I on a scale of one to 10 on these six quadrants that are so essential for my well-being? And then think about what's the one change that I could make? What's the one thing I could do differently to improve my score on these elements right now now if you're doing brilliantly on some of them congratulate yourselves give yourselves a pat on the back and say i'm a 10 on that one well done right because we are not coming from a space of oh my god i'm possibly doing bad on all, all of these no i'm sure there are some elements here where you're saying i'm on top of that and i'm at a 10 so that's when you stand back celebrate and give yourselves a big well done and a big pat on your shoulder if there's if there's no one else to do it for you do it for yourselves and make yourselves feel good right so that's it that that was the last thing that we sort of wanted to uh, bring to you as again a mindfulness thing right so for you to think about where you are um, on that on that wheel and what needs to work better cool thank you chandrika so just to summarize what we sort of shared with you today change is challenging <laughs> positive psychology gives options for improving our well-being and helps us flourish and resilience can be built so any questions or comments or thoughts on what we've just shared today? Yeah, I'll, I'll make one comment. Um, the, the reason I was asking about the time frame on accomplishments, so like I work in a very corporate kind of environment and um, you know, we're constantly, and if you've kind of coached people, I'm sure Judith and Chandrika, you, you, you hear this all the time, you know, it's, it's, it's the next quarter, what's the next goals, the next goals, the next goals, right? And um, we have teams kind of running like all the time, you know what I mean? And it, it's agile software development, so it's, it's, it's very iterative and it's very quick kind of turnaround. And um, I don't, I, my personal belief is that I don't think we take enough time to kind of recognize our accomplishments or our team's accomplishments. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it can be very demotivating over over time, right? If you constantly, um, even like at the moment, there's the kind of campaign I work about um, celebrating the, you know, a year of resilience and everything else, which is true. Like, I think that's, and you know, as a company, we've done very well, well in that. But um, it's kind of like, but but on the one hand say that, but on the other hand, but here's all the work you have to do, right? And all the, all the things that you still have to do, you still have to do them. And by the way, here's more, you know? And, um, there's times when I feel it's just too much, yeah. you know, not necessarily for myself personally, but I can see it in others. So yeah. it's a challenge, you know. And there is a there is a um, a technique that we talk about of appreciative inquiry, which is mm. making sure that people do tap into what they have done well. Uh, mm. So, like you said, don't not just sort of, uh, but genuinely asking people about what is it that you've achieved where you know what what worked well when you've done a project how much do you sit back and go what worked well on that project mm -hmm. because in there lies your strengths so you use those then to overcome what you're going to do next so spending some time uh doing that reflection with people to say look uh let's just reflect back on the last month what's worked really well for us what do we feel really proud that we've achieved and i mean deep within your own team not as sort of a general or even with individuals to ask them that because people love to talk about their success it also brings energy to people when they recognize what they've done well but most important and if it's where their strengths are yeah. so if that's where the strengths are how can we use that what, how can we use what worked well in order to overcome what we're doing in the future? I don't know whether that's helpful, but it can be an... No, no, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's remembering to take the time to do it. But yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, Judith, since you mentioned a preset of inquiry, um, Anne, I've just popped something into the chat box over there. So that's the model that works with a preset of inquiry. It's a model called the SOAR model. Uh, we think it's a great one to do with teams. So, you know, even if um, you want to, because that's a great one, it talks about strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. So, you know, when you're speaking about, the, you know, having those results to perform to, right? There are those results that, that, that always are so important. But then, you know, you could start working from a place of, you know, what are the strengths that you have? And I think that's a great one because it will connect all the people in your team as well as, you know, you as a leader, right? So looking at what are the strengths that people can have? What are the opportunities you have? Therefore, so if you see that's the exact reverse. So speaking of positive psychology, um, this is a model that goes away from the SWOT analysis that all of us are so familiar with, right? So we are not looking at weaknesses and threats, right? Or we are looking at them, but in a positive context. You're looking yes. at them as opportunities, right? Um, what, what could we do about that? And I think, uh, Judith, you always like to compare the two and you have a couple of takeaways on that, don't you? Yeah, because a lot of our weaknesses and threats are only opportunities that we have not yet realized. The word yet is such a powerful word. When someone says, well, I, you know, we're no good at that. Yeah, but we're no good at that yet. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to improve. So you can reframe threats and weaknesses as opportunities. And then you say, well, with our strengths and these opportunities, what could we aspire to? Yeah. And then how can we measure that we're achieving that so it is a, it is a way that you don't pretend like so there's not a future out there that you're going to be well and truly challenged with but it's just important to 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 get people to reflect on what their real strengths are and what has worked well in the past because we can sometimes get very obsessed about what hasn't worked well very good at looking at the root cause of a problem but not often good looking at the root cause of our success does that make sense absolutely yeah yeah thank you that's helpful Uh, hi, Judith, Shandrika, it's Ivan here. It's lovely to see you both again, and I really enjoyed the session. Um, so I've, I'm just going to add to a little bit of what Anne uh, brought up there. And I also work in a corporate environment. And what we've found after a year, you know, we, we are really struggling with some people's well-being. Um, and, and what we've found is that we nearly have to uh, turn back the clock because if uh, to, to give you an example before COVID uh, people were doing a lot of, of travel visiting customers um, meetings were probably less people in them very you know people who absolutely needed to be there and now we found during COVID that we we had this insatiable need to fill everybody's time, whether it was with training or meetings or whatever. So people's time got completely uh, booked. They're being asked to join all of these meetings and the ability to say no uh, became harder for them. So what we're looking at now is how do we dial back the clock and and uh, get out of that habit of having so many people at meetings they're not needing to be there um you know we record everything so even if you don't make the meeting you have to find an hour somewhere else to to listen to it mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's trying to um probably instill that behavior to say you know you should have time to think and reflect within your day but they aren't having it. So, mm -hmm. so what we're trying to do now is to um, just change the behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and what amazed me is how quickly the behavior changed from one place to this insatiable eight in the morning to six in the evening of meetings. So I don't know if people have seen that in their organization and trying to help people uh, to, to say no, um, you know, to have shorter meetings, only have the people that you need there. And that's just one example. But it's, the, the, it's that, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in, in the wheels and, you know, it's really hard to change behavior, or I feel it is <laughs> hard to change behavior, but it has amazed me how quickly we've changed over COVID.
Absolutely fascinating. And that, that kind of goes away to explaining why people are saying that the time, their time has been taken. Because I'm like, well, you're not commuting anymore. You're not doing all this. Mm. So where is, where is the time getting sucked into? So that's really interesting. That idea that it's so much easier for people to be accessed and to access meetings. And have you created a FOMO now, a fear of missing out, that if I'm not at that meeting now and if I don't watch the recording, something mm. will have happened. But previously you never had that situation going on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's also what, what, what I read, uh, Yvonne, recently was, you know, there's a need to overcompensate. Um, you know, there was this, uh, so there's a feeling of, so it's called a pseudo guilt complex where, because working from home, right? So there's this feeling in our minds that I'm at home, so I'm not doing enough work. So, you know, allowing your employees to understand and feel, because parameters have changed, right? Like HR teams are scrambling to put together, you know, a house evaluation going to happen this year. Do we have to change parameters of measurement, efficiency? How is all that going to, you know, really happen? And people are tackling this thing off. So are people overcompensating? You know, I have to be seen at every meeting to make sure that my leaders and my managers think that I am working, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm at home and I'm working. So to make that, boundary people are overcompensating and that's possibly leading to higher levels of stress and this is where i think the role of the leader becomes really really important you know walk the talk you know don't tell your team members you don't have to be present at every single meeting and then you are present at every single meeting putting that added pressure on your team then of you know having to turn up having to show up all the time so stop sending emails at 11 in the night stop sending emails at 8 in the morning you know if if you're a team leader stop doing that to your team is uh, you know where i would where it was coming from because there's a very simple um, you know exercise where i tell leaders sometimes you know it's do what you are saying you do, right? So even if you actually get up and Jessica, maybe you should try this with your class whenever you're doing a workout, though I know you do more serious kinds of workout, right? Uh, but this is very simple. So there's just four instructions, jump in the front, jump behind, jump to the right, jump to the left. So it's just four simple instructions. So in the first round, you're actually doing what you're saying, right? So jump right, everyone jumps right, jump left, everyone does the same thing. And then the next two things that you do, so in the second round you say, do what I say, but don't do what I do, right? So they have to listen to what you're saying, but they have to do something that's different. And then in the third round, right, they have to do what you are saying. Sorry, did I just say that? It's so confusing. I think I just confused mm. myself. So in the third round, you have to do what the person is doing, but you're saying something different, right? So you're saying jump right, but you're actually jumping left and they have to do what you do. So even in the process of explaining it, it's so complex that when you do it, it's really funny because that's not how your mind operates. You want to do, right? So it's so easy to do what the other person is doing and not just saying. So it's, it's, it's great. You'll have a few good laughs as you're doing it, but I think as leaders, right? And even as role models at home, you know, you're, you're telling our children, don't watch too much of Netflix, right? Do something constructive, get up, go out for a walk. What are you doing to unwind at the end of the day? What example are you setting there as well, right? Because people learn more from observing what you're doing rather than what you're saying. So I, I just think it's um, something for us to be mindful of again. What examples are we you know, setting for people. Because someone said this recently, there's great talk of well-being in my organization. Everyone's raving about it, but then I get emails from my boss at 11.30 in the night and I feel, you know, I should be up as well. So lead by example. Yeah, thank you. Very true. Yeah. Thank you. That was so so, so interesting. So interesting. Thank you both so, so much. Does anybody have any um, final questions? No? It's fine, I think. Yeah. I, I just have one, I just have one um, question around meaning. And I guess what, what, how you're feeling, what your experience is of how people are creating meaning now, given that so much of what has, created meaning for us has been taken away mm. like I guess when you when when you're talking about values the stuff that probably was very valuable to us um in terms of family relationships that might have lost as much value because we're kind of stuck with each other at home 
a lot now. So um, the kind of values that I guess gave meaning to my life might have changed. And I'm wondering what what your experience is of what meaning is for people now. How do they create new meaning in a pandemic? So, so I think it, 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 you were absolutely right when you said for everybody it's different. So what, what gave meaning to your life before and now you're kind of reflecting those things, I can't do them right now or they're absent from my life. So, you know, now what gives everybody meaning is different, isn't it, uh, Tricia? So the, the key thing is, you know, sort of thinking about what was it about that thing that gave me meaning? And is there another way that I can get that same sense and was it something about generally meaning and purpose is usually about using your strengths or using uh, your talents for the good of someone else. Um, so it's doing something for others is often what, what gives people meaning. For some people, it can be more of a spiritual thing, a sense of consciousness. Um, but for everybody, there is. And absolutely, I totally believe people are struggling now because of the fact that they're not able to do the things they were doing before. But I suppose the only thing to say is what one small thing can you still be doing, Tricia, that gives you that sense of meaning? Uh, and even if it's a small thing, even if it is only for somebody in your house today that you say, what one thing can I do for someone else? But it's trying to really reflect for yourself personally about what is it? what's behind that sense of meaning for me um and is there some other way that i can still find that um so i think it, it's such a personal thing it's it's not an easy one but definitely a challenge for people now chandrika your thoughts on that yeah i was i was just going to say so all that judith said all that judith said would be something that you know i would say as well but you know to what you were i, I think the example that you gave there trisha about you know maybe that my sense of meaning came from you know at the end of a hard day of work i come back home and i spend time with my family and that used to give me a sense of meaning then i think the question to ask yourself is what did you feel or what did you experience when you came back home at the end of the day to your family right so what were the emotions that you sort of experienced then and if that's not happening now, how could you recreate it, right? So, so what were those emotions that made you feel or you know, that gave you that sense of meaning, right? And then what um, I've heard some people say, and this has worked for people, is actually creating, uh, you know, that very clear demarcation at the start of the day and at the end of the day as well, you know, actually stepping out of the house before coming into work kind of thing, and then taking a walk again, <coughs> sorry, at the end of the day to create you know that 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 line but a sense of meaning and purpose i think is definitely greater than um you know the smaller things or the smaller goals right so um there, there's there's a wonderful book uh, we all we, we recommend it which is man's search for meaning i'm not sure if you've heard of it but i'm sure some of you have already read the victor yeah, frankl yeah. book right so i mean for victor frankl again if you look at it right man's search for meaning now his sense of meaning and purpose was so different than any of us could have actually ever really even thought about so you know that's that's at one end but we can get meaning from you know the smallest things that uh, we do in life as well okay but for you to feel i think what's very very important is when i look at myself in the mirror and i ask myself the question does my life have a sense of meaning do i have a purpose right if i can look at myself and answer those questions effectively i think then that makes me a fully functioning you know person because then I, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm headed. So I would say it's for you to define it for yourself, Tricia, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, yes. and, and not lose it in the pandemic, Tricia. It's yeah. still there. <laughs> I'm trying, Judith. I'm trying. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks both for that. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Um, Jessica, we've really, really enjoyed uh, being here. So Judith and I both work uh, with uh, Kingstown College. So just to speak maybe a sentence or two about the college and the kind of work that we uh, do in there. So it's, it's a college that basically accredited, accredits coaches, uh, you know, both at the EMCC and the ICF level of accreditations. Uh, we, we run three programs in the college. So we have the Advanced Diploma in Personal Leadership and Executive Coaching. We also run the advanced diploma in mental health and well-being coaching. And just this year, we've also introduced the advanced diploma in corporate well-being coaching. So those are uh, the three diplomas that we offer in the college. Um, again, Jessica, much like yourself, we had never thought that you know, we would have everyone on an online classroom. 
but that's what we are doing at present and it seems to be working um, phenomenally well like you know we are, we are going really well so um, any of you who ever want to explore that space we run free workshops actually to give people a taste of what uh, you know, they would get on the program. So even if you just log on to kingstowncollege.ie, which is our website, you can register yourself for, um, a, you know, a free session. It's a free taster session to sort of give you a sense of what coaching is all about. And is that something that you would like to uh, look at at some point of time? So, yeah, that's that's about and the college. We, yeah. And we also run programs within organizations for managers, yeah. coaching skills for managers. So we, cause it's, it's the coaching with the small C as opposed to the big C. You may not want to become an actual coach, but you may like to develop more of a coaching skill. Um, and maybe some of your teams, it might be something you would want to think about. So if at any point there's something that might interest you, please do reach out. We're more than happy to catch up with you. Can, can I, can I get those links and, and share them, um, send them around in an email. Would that be okay? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be terrific. Right. Well, that's Thank you both so, so much for taking the time out and um, talking to us today. It was so, so interesting. Um, really, really interesting and great food for thought. And there's a lot of exercises now we can go ahead and, um, and just think about and, and reflect and, and, and get going with it. Thank you both so, so much for taking the time out. We really appreciate it. Sure. You're most welcome. You're most welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much, all of you, for your time. I think we always learn so much to the questions that we are asked as well. Um, you know where to reach us. Uh, Jessica has our contact details. Uh, Jessica, I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of Judith as well, and I hope it's all right that you can definitely share our email addresses if anyone wants to get in touch with us. We would be more than happy. That's great, Kira. That's brilliant. You did a free session once. <laughs> yeah, I did one of the... I was I, I know we spoke about it, Jessica. I was contemplating pursuing perhaps coaching at some stage as a career change. I'm also in the corporate world, so I'm very much related to what everybody else was talking about earlier. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's on my list of maybe something to explore a bit further. And I'm only down the road from Kingston College, so we can... Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so I now it's all online. You don't even have to. I know. Leave yeah. If we ever get, if we ever get out of the house again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So, so are, are you in Dunleary, Kiara? Uh, no, no, I'm actually in Sandyford. Yeah, oh, so Sandyford, Dundrum, that kind of area. So yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, so not far away at all. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Great. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you, girls. Happy weekend. Thank Bye. you. Happy weekend, Bye. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.